I told you to never play that song. All right. Play it again, Greg. If she can stand it, I can. You got it, Denny. All right, all right, you can stop. I'm done with my flashback. Ah, oh, very good. All right. <laughs> I came to terms with a lot of things in that time. Yeah, you had some time to think, dude. That's awesome. I'm proud of Greg, you. Greg, I've got news. What's the news? Of all the towns in all the world, why'd the boys have to come back to this one? The boys are back in town. Denny and Greg live after a two-week hiatus together from Movies for When. We're back together. <laughs> Thank you all for your patience. I know the dynamic duo was much awaited, very much missed. Special thanks to Will Reno for filling in with you and Vanessa for filling in mm -hmm. for herself. And, uh, of course, to Tyler for joining me last week while Denny was a bit of a sick boy, so. I was a very sick boy. I had COVID for the third time. Count them, three. If you get all three variants, you get a free shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I got all three COVID variants, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. And probably a couple of years off my life, but time will tell. <laughs> yeah, we'll know when we get there. We'll burn that bridge when we get to it uh denny what are we doing this week we haven't <laughs> alluded to shit <laughs> this week is an episode that wasn't announced two weeks ago because we announced an episode that we could not do which was uh, a summer blockbuster review before we realized the only way to watch the movies we wanted to cover was to go to the AMC at Grapevine Mills. And can I be the first to say fuck no? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely not. I wanted to beat you to it and also say fuck no, but you got me. You can say it. You got it. You got uh, it. I wanted to be first, though. I'll be second. I'm sorry. If you're not first, you know. you're last. So fuck no. I'm not, I'm not doing that. We did a whole episode of movies that we saw in theaters, but those were movies that we wanted to see in theaters yeah i'm not driving an hour to see top gun maverick i'm not fucking doing it and not at grapevine mills which is one of the worst fucking places on earth they got a legoland there but uh that's beside the point they they're not showing top gun maverick at the legoland so that's the problem <laughs> dude even the stranger things pop-up didn't get me out there that says something mm -mm. i live well <clears throat> less than oh i live much closer to you closer to that mall than you so yeah. I, i'm still not making my way out there sorry yeah. fuck that shit it sounds horrible i only go to the alamo draft house or i wait for streaming that's that's how i live yeah we're gonna um, do our summer blockbuster movies in the winter time when we're missing summer weather and we'll be like a retrospective on summer hits from the past summer They'll they'll all be uh, that way. All be on HBO Max. Yeah, there you go. That way, or Discovery Plus, or whatever the fuck it's, be, it's becoming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, HBO Max is not going to exist by the winter. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nobody, nobody listening is going to have to go to Grapevine Mills Mall theaters. That's, that's good news. God, I hope not. If you're listening and you have to go to Grapevine Mills, please call us for help. <laughs> we will direct you to the nearest Alamo Draft House. This parking lot sucks ass. Uh, all right, so boy does it, boy does but it. But what we're actually doing to answer to answer your question? <laughs> glad, um, glad you got back to it. 
This week we are going to enhance our cinematic palettes. Uh, we did not talk about what order we're going to do it in before, so I'll just riff. And, you know, that's kind of a weekly tradition. We say don't talk about the order, don't talk about the order. <sighs> One, two, three, magical adventures, best friends forever. We do this every week. Um, let's see. Why don't we go... Cheers. I was going to say... City of God, Casablanca. What were you going to say? I was exactly that. <laughs> no literally, fucking way. Okay, literally so, that. <laughs> We are going to be doing Ikiru, the Kurosawa classic, um, then City of God. Uh, Ikiru was my pick. It was on my list. Greg chose City of God, and the audience chose narrowly by, like, one vote over Dr. Strangelove, Casablanca, and I was so glad they did because um, it's one of my favorite movies ever made. Yeah, Casablanca so... might as well have been your pick, but they did it again. <laughs> I, I got confused and thought it was my pick. I, I actually <laughs> forgot what I picked and thought I picked Casablanca. And then we're looking at Ikaru like, how did you get here? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Why did Greg pick a movie on my annual list? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. So we're not, uh, we're not, we have a little change to the format. An interruption to your regularly scheduled programming. Uh, we will not be discussing what we've been watching this week. Um, cause we're not the we're watching podcast. We're movies for when they're our sister podcast. But, uh, if you want to hear what we've been watching, well, I think in just a short while, you're gonna have a way, um, and you're gonna just love the tits out of it. Trust me. Um, so enticing. Yeah. I enticed them. I, I got their juices titillated. That's enough <laughs> breast euphemisms for now. <laughs> I just, I always like to titillate them a little bit before we start doing those shows. Okay, okay. Movies. Just get them nice and titillated. Cool, man. It's when you're happy to see boobs. You're oh, titillated. I was going to say, Denny's acting, <laughs> like a Denny's acting like a real boob right now. <laughs> All right, um... Let's get started with your pick, Denny. Let's start talking about Ikiru, which is yeah. a 1952 film that, like all of these, are available to you on HBO Max for now. So, Denny, this is your pick. <laughs> Summarize Ikiru yes. for us, please. Um, we get uh, a protagonist who starts the movie with stomach cancer. Um, and when he learns that he is going to die within six months to a year... He realizes he has never truly lived. Um, he comes to terms with his death by essentially living a full life cycle within a couple of months. Um, he tries the party life to see if it makes him feel alive. He tries connection with a, a, a romantic-ish, not really platonic romantic, will they, won't they, oh my god, I swear we're just good friends interest. Um, and that doesn't really get him all the way there. And then he finally learns that to truly live would be to actually make a change in the world, to actually do something for a community of people. And he, through much, much uh, strife and effort and determination, and he has to overcome the mob, and he has to overcome the bureaucracy of City Hall, mm -hmm. um, he gets a playground built in a community where they wanted to put a red light district. And... Uh, then and around the beginning of the third act we find out that he's dead um and everybody's at his funeral and they're remembering him and they're piecing together 
how he must have suffered in silence and intentionally died in the playground that he fought so hard for while singing a song um, about sadness in life. Um, and uh, then we close on a really good shot of that. And that's that's Ikiru. Is that how you pronounce it? Ikiru? Oh, yeah. Ask Akira. Ask the other white guy how to pronounce this. Cool, thanks. Well, you pronounce—I've been saying Ikiru, and that probably isn't right. And I never questioned it till I heard you say it a little differently. Ikiru. Uh, I don't know. I don't mean to What's disrespect. Arkiru movie you boys like so much. Akiru. Um, Arceus. Ar- <laughs> I know that's a Digimon. Come on. <laughs> Nothing gets past me. Greg, do you have uh, any kind of relationship with this classic film? Absolutely none. I had never heard of it until you suggested it, which was, it was kind of funny, like, you suggested it, like, I think we decided on the topic, and then you're like, we're doing Ikaru. Like, I I barely finished the sentence. You had already, like, (laughs) selected this one for your pick. I was like, oh, okay, this is, wow, maybe I should have heard of this, but I hadn't. So it was a good first time watching it. Yeah, it was also my first time watching it. Um, I was just so eager because um, I put it on my annual movie list and I just, I've been really looking forward to watching it for like, I don't know, probably over a year. I think two Januaries ago, I went through a, a Japanese noir phase and I discovered this movie in that process, but never got around to watching it. And it's not a noir and that's why. Um, but I really wanted to see it because I knew it was a very existential movie. I've only seen one other Kurosawa, uh, film and he is one of the most revered directors of all time. Um, so I was just really looking forward to expanding my palette here. And, uh, I'll be honest with you. I've been in a really existential place. I'm just going through a whole lot of change and a lot of growth in my life. And it's making me ask a lot of deep questions and it's kind of been terrifying me. And uh, that got worse when I had to sit inside and be sick for nine days. Um, and so I was, I was really, really looking forward to this, hoping to, hoping to encounter some answers. Um, so yeah, man, that's that's my relationship, I suppose. Hell yeah, that's awesome. It, it was nice. I think we got a good mix here of like foreign films, older films, and this is our old foreign film. So yeah. this is kind of a little hybrid of what we got going on here. Kind of what we were looking yeah. for. I was, a good point. I was, you know, it's the whole film is, of course, in Japanese, English subtitles. So the transatlantic accent had not made its way over to the Pacific yet. So we got a yeah. movie from the 50s where people talk pretty normally. So yeah. pretty cool <laughs> uh, to see. We love to see it. I don't think I could have done two uh, <laughs> movies where yowza wowza kind of movies, you know? <laughs> Oh, I can watch those all day. <laughs> I really can. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> he can and he has. Yes. So, so I got, where do you want to start with this one, man? I I was surprised by so much of it. And, like, mm-hmm. I had zero expectations going into this one. So I was just, like, looking for stuff to like. And I was finding a lot of things to like, yeah. love, appreciate. Um, I think... For me, it starts with the, uh, I called it the bureaucracy montage. So the people that want to build the park where, like, you know, there's just sewage runoff or whatever. They're trying to, like, appeal to the local government to get a park built. And 
every single person they go to is like, oh, actually, you need to go to Public Works. Actually, that's the Parks Department. This actually might be best suited for the mayor. They're just getting pushed off to every single desk. And <laughs> I think it's so funny just like watching all these different characters um, representing different branches of government. Like, it all feels the same, but it's different enough. There's so much personality in that little montage. Yeah, you know, I didn't expect the movie to be that fun. Because um, mm -hmm. the trailer is like him staring at that swing, and it just seems really foreboding. And I really thought this movie was going to fill me with much more existential dread about, like, the meaninglessness of it all. Um, and it ended up having a lot of, like, really chipper and charming and enjoyable parts to the movie that were very upbeat. And it's it starts on that note immediately after it tells you... The, it literally refers to him as the protagonist, mm -hmm. the narrator, um, and is like, and he has stomach cancer. Now here's comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder what the literal translation would be for whatever word they use for the protagonist, but I imagine it's similar to like Fight Club, right? Where Edward Norton's character is credited as just the narrator. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's, it's it feels like something similar to that, but... The protagonist is a <laughs> a very great way to describe him, even though he does have a name. Uh, Kanji, I think Watanabe was his name. Yeah, that yeah, it was Watanabe. I remember. Yeah. Oh yeah. What did you think of our our boy there, old Kanji? Um, o old I, I old Kanji. Yeah. Old yeah. Kanji. Um, I thought he was a very very sympathetic character. Um, you you basically like is like. I got to watch him live out my biggest fears, which is like, what if I was at the end of life and just realized I never lived, right? Like, what mm -hmm. if I was like, fuck, I wasted all my time and now it's over. Um, that scares me more than any horror movie, you know, like has, has mm -hmm. ever scared me. Um, yeah. And I, I find the weight crushing. And uh, I don't know, I guess it's just getting older and starting to have some like old people health problems you know and uh you know i i just i'm i'm much more aware of my mortality than i've ever been in my life up until this point um and so i thought our protagonist and the actor i, I have no idea the actor who portrayed him's name but um i thought that like through his like non-verbal acting conveyed such contrition mm -hmm. and moroseness and and then eventually just resolve you know like at the end of the movie when he's all like hunched over clearly in chronic pain with very little energy in his body mm -hmm. and he just trudges onward um what did you think of him what were your thoughts i really liked him i it's something i noticed was kind of surprising to me because like i said i was just looking for stuff to appreciate and one of the things I found, like, they have a flashback with him and his son. And you can tell it's the same actor. I think the older version of him is just, like, aging makeup. But mm -hmm. it's, like, really fucking good. Like, yeah. they they show this character at, like, different ages. And it's just, like, completely believable. Like, you see him, like, oh, he's, like, 35 right here or something. And we follow him to his death as he gets, you know, older and more sick. I thought they did a really good job presenting him and his acting 
really helped sell that as well. Like you were saying, just hunched over and just barely trudging through life. He There's like moments where he's, you know, a little bit more focused on what's going on inside his body. He knows he has stomach cancer, he's dying, he's like coming with all these real realizations and then he looks up and he's in the middle of the street like almost getting hit by a car and kind of snaps him out of it he just he portrays that like internal focus and kind of external absent-mindedness like really well i thought yeah yeah dude and just every part of me believed this is a man who is who is dying you know and and who's Mm -hmm. contemplating his life and it just fully immersed me man it just I, like i i completely forgot i was watching a movie because of his performance oh that's good that's awesome i i think like kind of what you were saying earlier about like how this is something that you fear and you dread is just like this is a 70 year old movie from a completely different part of the world and it's still relevant modern relatable in every in every way it's a timeless movie and just appeals to all cultures because this is just a human thing this hasn't no no advancement of technology has changed this type of feeling or type of dread yeah well and that like it really this movie's famous for being an existential movie and it affirms an existential belief um which is these are givens about life you know these are these are unavoidable givens and your comfort in, in dealing with them is to know that literally everybody deals with them. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody is sure of their path. Nobody is really sure that they did life right. Um, and everybody is, to quote The Good Place, a little bit sad all the time because they know that one day they're going to die. Um, and, and that's what gives our life meaning is that it's limited, right? That it ends mm-hmm. one day. Um, and I, I think, you know, to your point that really affirms that uh that philosophical truth it it, it really the, the fact that this movie is what what year is it 2022 70 fucking years old mm-hmm. and from a continent i've never been to in a language i never speak and i never speak i can't speak i also never speak it <laughs> i choose not, not i choose not to speak <laughs> japanese <laughs> And here we are here we are relating to it right it just mm-hmm. really affirms that this is an unavoidable struggle um and it's a struggle i've been in and i was, I was very grateful for the movie for that hell yeah man uh i i think we've covered themes pretty well here um yeah. i want to touch on the filmmaking of this because i think that's where i really start loving this one cool. um, a lot more than i was expecting um I'm not really sure where to start. Like, I already mentioned the aging makeup and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just... I gotta just... It's like the framing and the choreography of everything. Of, you know, we'll have our main character, Watanabe, like, up front and in focus, and then behind him there's this big, lively party going on. And, like, we might have, like, moved there to get to this point, to get to this framing. It's... Every piece of camera work feels so intentional yeah it's so it's so awesome to to see in a movie this old i think uh, yeah specifically the framing even if it's just like one character sitting here and another guy in the background everything is just set up so well and so perfectly well lit 
like so perfectly focused like it it you can tell like how much care went into the craft of like shooting this thing yeah. and it was it yeah. was i was surprised at like every turn of like just this is still sticking out to me so much yeah <laughs> oh right subtitles i gotta read okay <laughs> right right yeah well like dude and especially on the note of those those really busy city scenes when he's going through his party phase like mm-hmm how organic did they feel and how alive and authentic did that bustling city seem and then you think about the technology they were using to film it right like Mm -hmm. it's it looks like they just pointed a dslr or you know like at a real live shot of japan and it's like no with the technology they had at the time they had to craft everything meticulously and Mm -hmm. they had to be very careful and it all just feels like it's it's moving so fast and it's it just feels so alive like again total total immersion in a black and white film a black and white movie totally immersed and then you like contrast the busy nightlife city scenes with like dancing and parties and like people eating and drinking and like big birthday parties and like fancy restaurants and then you go to the the government office right this bureaucratic Mm -hmm. stuffy lifeless little building it's in black and white but this film like if it was in color you would think that this whole building is just gray anyways yeah. it is yeah. it is a nothing environment and i love it so much because like it's not the best camera in terms of like quality of camera or quality of film it's maybe not the best at its time but it doesn't matter you can still tell you still feel like the stuffiness of this building like there are stacks of paperwork bound up with string that are like just bundles of papers just stacked on top of each other lining the walls from floor to ceiling and then like kind of stacked and positioned in a way that light still comes through the windows it's so it's so fucking cool it looks like a more authentic tim burton set from the 90s you know (laughs) it's like edward scissorhands ass shit oh yeah exactly i thought you were talking about like this yeah it's not stop motion or whatever (laughs) no 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 no. i I just meant like the the like comical stacks of paper you know like just like the like like that seems like uh like bob cratchit's office in the fucking muppet christmas carol and yet Hmm. it feels totally natural you don't question it at all because they've conveyed so clearly to you that this is like a bureaucratic hellscape and that's exactly what i would believe it looked like with the way they were portraying that place on an emotional level oh yeah i i hear you but now i'm only thinking about kermit working in that building and (laughs) still being shot in black and white another park for the city mr scrooge Our assets are frozen. Ooh. All right. Uh, <laughs> that was his last words on the swing. <laughs> he froze to My assets are frozen. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what his song was. <laughs> he was, I was quoting the Muppets. <laughs> Derivative. <laughs> Were you... I was kind of surprised that they like opened the third act with our protagonist being dead that kind of threw you for a loop too huh 
Uh, it's so abrupt. Like, they literally just have the narrator say, yep. five months later, our protagonist is now dead. <laughs> like in, Very matter-of-factly. I, I just assume that we're going to be, like... I, I assume that we're still going to see footage of him, which we do at the very, very end. Mm-hmm. But I assume that the third... Because there's, like, an hour left in this fucking movie when they do that. Um, yeah. And, and, 50-something uh, minutes, yeah. <laughs> So I assume we're going to be backtracking a lot, and then we just don't up until the end. We have, we have a long scene of his funeral and everybody reflecting on him, um, and that was bold and perfectly executed. I thought. Yeah, it. I I got brought right back into it because I was really expecting to just ride with this guy until his last breath. Yeah. You know, I just kind of felt like that's where it was going, and it's just. It's a unique way to tell a story, especially at the time. It's just like, I guess that's kind of the point of his realization of his own quality of life or like contributions in life, the life he lived. I think it's equally important to see him trying to change as it is the change that he did create after his death, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's good to show both sides not have like a five minute thing of like people crying at his funeral it's it's i think it's more effective to have like a 45 55 minute segment of the movie just dedicated to after his life okay did he you know carry through with the change that he was trying to do with his with his uh with his life yeah seems like he did well so well and i think it really makes when they finally did show him working through the bureaucracy and building the park, I think it made it mean so much more than it would have meant if they just showed it chronologically. Um, because we saw like 40 minutes of people being like, what was that guy about? He just suddenly changed and got really determined, but because no one seems to know his motives when you see those when you see those scenes finally of of how he of how he accomplished this mm-hmm. you know that he just carried this burden silently with uh with a defiance you know like if it's my last fucking act i'm gonna get this goddamn park built and like didn't and he and that that's what's so that's what's so very sad about the movie to me is that he truly did die without connection um mm-hmm. and he didn't die a a purposeless person um but he died without connecting to other people and it seems like that's what he wanted so badly but he found a way to like meta connect in the sense that like when when all of the residents of the neighborhood who had been lobbying for the park to be built when they pour into his funeral and they just weep they just wail and they weep you see that like maybe he didn't get to experience that connection but he made a connection in the larger sense, you know, like he, mm-hmm. he impacted people in a really meaningful way. And it was him with the world on his back, you know? Hell yeah. Uh, it, it feels a lot more triumphant towards the end. Mm-hmm. And we, we do get, sorry to be a downer on that, but in the final, final scenes, we kind of see, you know, all these guys are getting drunk at his wake. They start realizing, like, hey, he really worked for this change. Why are we such, like, a red tape-bound system? Mm-hmm. We're not serving anybody. We're only keeping our own jobs. And they, like, pledge to change. And 
you know, bring about some kind of better future for their community. And then we cut to maybe a week or two later and they're just kind of back in their old path of just passing problems off to the next guy and never really taking care of anything. Yeah. Yeah, it it and, is it's pretty tragic in that sense, but you know, well, that's as, realistic. It is realistic, and as we're talking about it, I'm actually finding it less tragic from a character perspective. Um because it's like a way of saying that like this intensely average and forgettable man in the final months of his life succeeded at something that almost everyone fails at. Mm -hmm. um, that's how hard it is to do what he did that these people who wanted to do it like immediately gave up on it when it came time for the rubber to meet the road Yeah, and in that sense I, I feel like it's it is a discouraging look at reality but I think it's a happier ending for our character um, for yeah. Watanabe I think the movie is aware that we're kind of expecting like a big sweeping change of inspiration but that kind of gets taken away like i just said but we do get that one guy that was like i can't, is just in disbelief that no one's sticking to what they said at the wake mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. walks on the bridge above the park and just you know we're, we're kind of we're let down as an audience that the influence maybe didn't carry through like we thought it would but there is some hope he at least changed one person i think he gave that guy the same perspective that he had in the dying months of his life he kind of handed that perspective unintentionally down to this one person and I, it kind of feels like the movie is saying that that's enough yeah i think so too and i'm just as we're talking about it i've gone on critiker and and raised the score twice because <laughs> um, your takes and, and just me getting the chance to process and think about it more is, is increasing nice. my appreciation of the movie um, on that note do you, do you have any critiques any notes for this movie that we've been exclusively positive on so far <sighs> not really I mean all I wouldn't even call them critiques like every every like Thing that's just like kind of jars you loose and you're just like oh you're watching a movie is simply a product of its time yeah. this it this was clearly made in the early 50s with maybe not the biggest budget behind it kind of thing so it's so rudimentary and so basic that like some simple stuff kind of sticks out but i don't mind those things like audio cutting out like the frame rate getting sped up it's just like the weird like kind of weirder edits and then like it seems like there's too much exposure and then there's too little like all within the same yeah, shot yeah. but that stuff but doesn't like, like they, it doesn't bother me they didn't have dailies you know like yeah. you had to like process the film before you could even see what you'd shot and decide if you liked it you know like mm -hmm. when it takes that much effort and there's like something a little out of focus for a second you're just gonna stick with it right? yeah. <laughs> like you're just gonna leave it every everything else was so meticulously well done that i don't think it it i would call those even critiques yeah um i think the only like negatives i really feel are just like personal feelings of like i got a lot out of this 
it feels like kind of a one and done movie for me like i'd say that's fair that's fair i don't really see myself picking this up again Mm -hmm. certainly not anytime soon i'll I'll probably watch it again you know but i just i don't really see myself seeking this out in the future anytime soon i think that's fair and i don't think it's the kind of thing that you just re-watch over and over because you love it so much you know, like <laughs> that's, definitely that's not. not the to me that's not a knock against it i i could see myself absolutely watching it again um my only note was this there were times that i felt it was a little too thorough um because it's a hmm. long movie it's almost two and a half hours and i'm just like at a certain point i got that he was partying you know, like, like <laughs> they uh, they really did a lot of takes of go to this desk, go to this department, go to this department, go to this department. And I was like, yeah, I feel like you could have shaved three departments. T- yeah. You know, yeah. like just just little bits here and there um, that I didn't feel like we needed to explore that in depth to get mm-hmm. the picture. And I, I think it could have lived with, you know. I wouldn't have cut any sequence, but I think if you shaved several sequences down a little bit, you could have made it about 10 to 15 minutes shorter. Um, and that would have served the movie. Well, that was literally my, my only thing that I thought was a little bit of a negative. It's a great yeah. movie. They had a lot of a good thing. They just needed to, you know, maybe trim out some good to make the overall a little better. So yeah, I get I that. Know. I like that. Uh, the only other note I have is um, I'm not sure where my head was at when I wrote this down, but um, I want to give a shout out to Brian Cranstonabe. It's a uh, a dude that works in the government building that has like a Hitler mustache and he looks just like Walter White. <laughs> I didn't notice. I didn't notice. I was like, hmm, Brian Cranstonaby. It was stupid. I wrote it down anyways. Why am I talking about it? <laughs> you wanna you wanna hit some gimmicks, brother? I feel like we've made our points. We've made our points here. Let's do it. Danny, we've got a brand new gimmick. Together at last, we finally got a gimmick just for you and I. What Yay. is our gimmick of the week this week, buddy? Our gimmick is the moment of palette progression, a specific moment that you felt uh, enhanced your palette when you could feel the growth of your appreciation of cinema happening. Um, what uh, what do you got, Greg? What when did your palette palette expand? I felt like mine was the scene in the bar right before he goes out partying. He meets the guy that he goes out partying with, and he like the guy says like, "Oh, I." I need to go get my medicine. And he says, like, some painkiller. And the main character is like, I have some. Here, take mine. And it's like, in that moment, I that's when I really started looking at only the lighting, only the framing, only the camera movement. Like, because this movie's so old and, like, just so bare bones, like, everything is done at just such a rudimentary and basic level. And there's no room for anything else that I found myself, like, really focusing on the basics yeah, and just, like, admiring them. So it was it was that moment for me that led to, like, other thoughts. So nice. how about you? Very nice. I've got something on the other side of the coin that was in performance um, and story. It's, uh, oh, man, it's pr- one of the moments I felt the most in the movie. 
It's when he's in the uh, symbolic marriage divorce phase with the younger woman. Um, mm-hmm. And just seeing this very sincere performance of a man simply using his dying wish, begging for someone to hang out with him. Um, I, I felt like that just, that just um, on an emotionally took me to like a deeper appreciation of like pain you know (laughs) like of of loneliness um of sorrow um god he was so (laughs) desperate man he was so desperate and it just again such a performance such a damn performance uh, on both parts Uh, what is what is your favorite line um i can't remember where this was from uh it might have been the main character it might have been the narrator i just have here misfortune shows us the truth that might have been the main character that might have been god himself (laughs) 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 it it was it was definitely spoken by a character i just can't remember Mm. which one all right shoot that's a hell of a pick brother um I have a runner-up to HBO Max's description of the movie. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? That, that, that fucked me up, too. That's why I was so thrown by the third act. Yeah. That description <laughs> fucked up my mindset for what happened in the third act. A dying man devotes his last months to building a children's playground. I think they missed the point. I think. <laughs> Dude. That's second on the list to the we when we talked about pirates of the caribbean the disney plus (laughs) jack sparrow and will turner save the governor's daughter (laughs) still remember it (laughs) so fucking bad really okay Um, (laughs) did anything else happen (laughs) my 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 favorite line was uh with a truly ominous sense of forebodingness and then there's the diarrhea um, as, as the other patient is describing describing the horrors oh. of stomach cancer. You mean Japanese hospital harbinger? Yeah, I, I kind of that forgot was about a character that. name. Yeah, I really liked that scene. Just yeah, complete sidebar is like this guy's like trying to tell him about stomach cancer, and the main character he's just like sitting on different benches. The guy keeps trying to sit next to him and touch him and get close just to him and like lean to up harass to him. him. He's just like leans away sits on this chair it just like moves around the set while the camera stays in one place i loved them kind of chasing each other around (laughs) very patient game of chase well and it brings you know it's it's that that weird playfulness that you wouldn't expect from a movie like this (laughs) you know if you just heard our description of it you or hbo's summary of it Uh, Greg, what's your uh, what's your critic or score? Uh, yeah, I, I was I was taken aback. This is the one that Critiker thought that I would give this a forty out of forty to. Mm-hmm. It predicted a perfect score. Things almost never pan out that way. Sorry. Um, I still thought it was very good. I thought it was expertly made. It's impressive for the time. It's impressive in a lot of ways. But like I said, personally. Maybe I'll watch it in 10 years with a little more life perspective and get something else out of it. For now, I'm giving this one a 36 out of 40. That is a high score from you. That's still a high score from me, so (laughs) 
Not not a lot of knocks. Nice. Um, Critiker also predicted that I would give this a perfect score, um, and it wasn't quite there for me, but uh, I had a rare case of my recency bias affecting this negatively. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was just tired <laughs> when mm-hmm. I was watching it. Um, but uh, I raised it in this conversation from a 46 to a 48. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think our discussion of the filmmaking techniques and the themes uh, gave me an even deeper appreciation for it and an excitement about it. This is a 48 out of 50 for me. Very nice. Wow. What a good conversation and analysis. What are we yeah, going to discuss next? <laughs> All right, Denny. It's time to get down to Portuguese-ness. Is that business? Um, I think it's Portuguese for business. Uh, I thought it was Portuguese for seamless edit. Oh, how does he do it? How does he do it? I gotta say, our, our guests uh, were pretty solid at the seamless edit game. Vanessa, oh, yeah. when given the chance, can really run with it. Dude, when the red light is on, Vanessa is another animal, man. Like, she, <laughs> she just crushes it when she performs anything. Yeah. No so. innuendos there. <laughs> <laughs> No siree. The therapist said we should film it and review it. <laughs> we're still talking about the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to do video podcasts soon. What did you think I was talking about? Just that. So, Denny. Pervert. <laughs> I don't know the meaning of the word. We're here to talk about another movie. It's a very different movie. It's still a foreign movie, but it's only 20 years old. This is my pick. City of God from brazil a brazilian film that you can watch on hbo max figured i'd remind everybody that all of these are on hbo max for now at the time i was kind of surprised to see it there i think i had watched the well i'll start with my relationship with city of god a fantastic movie that i've loved for a long time i think i got like the dvd in college or something but I'd watch it with a friend, and I was like, wow, movies with subtitles can be good, too. 16-year-old Greg was, you know, not watching a lot of <laughs> foreign films. We all have a moment where we learn that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Young teenage Greg was not watching a lot of foreign films. But, yeah, I want to say I might have actually gotten this DVD when, like, the some blockbuster was like closing for good and they were selling movies <laughs> yeah. for like 50 cents or a dollar and i was like oh yeah. yeah i watched this one with uh nathan so i'm gonna buy this cheapo dvd i don't have it anymore i don't know where it went oh it sucks but hbo's got my back uh this is probably like the seventh or eighth time i've watched this movie how about you bud you actually never saw it right never heard of it um and nice. Uh, I have a pretty well-documented relationship with refusing to watch uh, serious dramas because I do therapy all day, and I don't want to think about that stuff when I come home. And so, like, um, as soon as Greg picked the title of the movie, he told me what his pick was, and just off the title, I was like, oh. And then I read the synopsis, and I was like, oh. And you saw the poster... Uh, poverty and struggles and uh, and i uh i was eating some crow i shouldn't have been so judgy wudgy because i loved this movie thought it was fantastic uh 
the two hours just flew by man i was mm-hmm. i was fully engaged and it was even like my, my phone kept blowing up and like my back hurt and I, I i just kept having to do stuff while i watched it my dog wanted out and i was sitting there being like oh my god i love this movie everyone leave me alone i just want to keep watching it so um yeah my relationship is going from not knowing it existed to resenting it for existing to being pleasantly surprised with how much i liked it <laughs> that's so awesome it's always good to hear i was watching it a couple nights ago and I was like, oh no, Denny kind of hates dramas. I think this might be like a shock to the system for him, but maybe like a little bit too strong of a shock. There's a lot of yeah. um, violence against children and a scene that depicts rape and yeah. a whole lot of other stuff. I was like, maybe this was too far on the other end of excitement for him. Not the thrills. No, I loved all that stuff, but that's not what I meant. I meant from a filmmaking perspective, I loved all that stuff. But, like, for what it's worth, it's not that I hate dramas. It's that I almost never feel like I have the emotional energy for dramas. It's not that I, like, have a problem with them inherently. And when I watch them, I usually do really enjoy and appreciate them. But I'm like, I can't. cry about trauma in my free time i just can't do it unless it's about my trauma (laughs) i i don't want to be made to feel like this right now (laughs) yeah 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 i'm just usually emotionally exhausted at the end of the work day uh pretty much every day and it's it's but like but honestly much like ikiru um this had a surprising amount of playfulness like it's it's this is what surprised me about this movie greg Mm-hmm. it's a coming of age film it with is all the classic coming of age beats and gang violence <laughs> you know like it's like but you know it's it's a classic coming of age movie set in the slubs of slubs slums of rio de janeiro Janeiro. um like but like it, it has wow. all the beats it just covers what fast times at ridgemont high would be like if you were living in the slums of brazil Mm-hmm. well with that said i'll go ahead and summarize the plot for us uh oh fuck i, I forgot we didn't do that i we just got into I, the movie i'm so sorry i also forgot so <laughs> the city or sorry city of god there's no the City of God is a coming-of-age story set in the slums of Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it follows our main character, who I believe the director or the writer is kind of... It's kind of a story of his life in some ways. Um, yeah, it's just a kid growing up in the slums. His older brother is a criminal, so he's kind of got like a taste for like the crime and gang world. And as he grows up, he's just not cut out for the gang, the gangster life. We're seeing all these little microcosm. It, it follows very closely the story of his brother and his friends. It follows the story we're like starting in the 70s. Then we follow the story of this other group of uh, criminals. Then we flash forward to the 80s. And then we're following these. We're just like following different stories. And the main character named Rocket is narrating everyone's story because he's kind of got an outsider's perspective and is kind of piecing it all together for us the audience it's it's really cool it's really engaging it's really interesting this kid just you know decides 
Actually, I think I want to be a photographer. He just gets some shitty camera and then gets a slightly nicer one through crime, kind of, basically. Yeah. And just becomes, like, the photographer for the gang, in a way. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah. Well, it, it's... So much of his story is not based on him. So it's it's yeah. very hard to, like, summarize this by saying it's his story. But it's a story he's telling about the stories that are happening around him. And it's all about of the world. It's about his world, yeah. And he, he there's there's so much detail and a shocking amount of this is based on reality. Mm-hmm. Like you get to the end of the movie, you're like, wow, what a wild ride with all these crazy characters and just like this uh just unbelievable story of all these people, how they all interlink, like this crime and just and then you get to the end and then they show you like hey remember that news interview with knockout ned here's the real guy that that he's based on you're like wait shit any of this was real holy crap yeah no i had no idea it was a true story no idea yeah. until the end i think it, a lot of the stories are just inspired by real people i don't think like sure. all of this really happened Factual. like connected connected together but i know like Lil Dice, a.k.a. Lil Z, was a real person. Knockout Ned was a real person. Uh, so much of this is based on reality. And you're just like, oh, no wonder it's so artistically told and creative and imaginative and inspiring is yeah. because so much of it is just this guy's life. Yeah. yeah. Cool and good. Absolutely cool and good. Where, you where did do you it. Want to start? Where do you want to start? This is... a. Uh... This is you're a homer for this movie. I want to hear. I want to hear what you love about it. Yeah, I was. I I haven't watched this movie. I think the last time I watched it was maybe like nine years ago, oh, maybe wow. eight or nine years. It's it's been a long time since I've seen this. But like, I was finishing up the last probably twenty thirty minutes of Ikaru, and I was like, I'm not bored. I'm not hating on Ikaru, but. What I really want right now, after this very dramatic, very drawn out, very long, but good, movie, I want fast-moving cameras that I get in City of God. I want flashes and just popping color, vibrant music, vibrant set, vibrant city. Just, uh, I want a a long, winding story with all these characters and all these different points of focus. I just want to, like... (laughs) be overwhelmed with this incredible story of all these people yeah, and yeah. just like showing it in such a style stylized way uh and i was just like i was craving it and then we start the movie we get like you know the opening credits written directed by this guy it's all in portuguese of course and then we just get this knife we're showing like a few frames of a knife sharpening against uh, a whetstone and then we hear the drums come in and the guitars come in. It's just, you realize you're like at a rooftop party. We're cooking, we're chopping up chickens. We're, you know, plucking the chickens and deboning them. And there's a chicken attached to a string, realizing that he's about to be killed by this knife that we just saw get sharpened. He like bites the string away, runs down the street, and all these little hoodlums chase it down the street, get that fucking chicken, shooting at him with pistols. And you're just like, damn, I'm in another fucking world right now. Yeah. I'm I'm rooting for this chicken. I don't even know what the hell's going on. Oh. See, I actually raised it a point because the chicken died in it. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate chickens so much. Um, but they're tasty. Like I had, I well, I had pet chickens, and it made me more okay with eating chickens because I, I hated those chickens <laughs> so much. Nice. Um, I was like, nah. These things are barely alive, and they definitely don't have dreams. Um, I'm very, I'm very okay with turning them into nuggets for me to eat. So I, I did a reverse Greg. Greg always uh, docks the movie a point if a dog dies. I've decided mm-hmm. I will raise the movie a point if uh, a chicken dies, and that's the reason Pink Flamingos got one whole point for me. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. We brought it back. Oh, man, I dodged a bullet with that, by the way. I'm so glad. Boy, did you. I was jealous of you like, for not having to watch that movie. Holy I listened, fuck. I listened to the episode um, on the plane back from our trip, and you were you guys were describing Pink Flamingos. I was like, thank fucking God I wasn't there for this. I don't want to see this. never felt so disgusted with a movie, ever. I've never felt so disgusted with a description of a movie, so. <laughs> I was like, talking about it took me to a bad place. Like, I, I, I was glad Vanessa was there to carry the discussion. Cause I, I, could was tell like, you were, I could tell you were losing focus and just like looking down like, oh, fuck, did this happen? Yes, yes. I was I heard it. with like my head in my hands. Like, how could, how could I have experienced this? How did this happen to me? <sighs> but yeah. Dead chickens. So <laughs> dead chickens. We love to see them, folks. We love it when they die. We're huge fans. <laughs> Don't add us, Peta. Um, <laughs> so I was. Uh, this movie does something that normally I would hate. It's it's something I can't stand, which is basically like we start to tell a story, we stop and interrupt and say, actually, we need to tell you this story first. Yeah. Tell me the story. I want the story start to finish. Don't jump around. Yes. Don't pause here and start over here because mentally I'm still in the in spot A, right? I'm I'm still in that paused moment. I'm not focused on this side story, backstory that you're giving me in the middle of what I was already invested in. But yeah. this movie does it in such a different way. I don't know, like, I forgot how much it did that. I forgot how much it, like, kind of jumped around and, like, jumped back backwards and sometimes forwards through, like, people's stories. And, like, I was just so comfortable with it. I was so engaged with all the stories. Like, yeah, I can I can hold off on <laughs> hearing about you and your friend playing soccer for a minute to hear about these three kids, um, you know, robbing a gas truck in your neighborhood like yeah i'm all here for that like i i want to kind of nail down why i felt that way but i'm not really sure i can i think it's just it's just every story they tell is so endlessly interesting that i'm okay with departing one to start another if that makes sense yeah well i think it's because there's an exception to every rule and this time it worked um like you know like i could be as simple as that yeah i had a lot of like that was one of the only things i really didn't like about the movie not just the jumping around um because again it was fun so i didn't mind that we jumped around so much but like i didn't i didn't like the narrator and i specifically didn't like all the like yep that's me here's what i was thinking and feeling at this moment but Mm -hmm. i do think that 
you should only use a narrator if it's absolutely necessary. And I think for a movie like this, which is at some parts functionally an anthology, I think it was absolutely necessary. I think they really, I think they needed that that central base of, they needed to explain to the audience why we were seeing what we were seeing and why it was mm-hmm. important and who everyone was because there was so much to keep track of that I, I think in a movie like this, which is a rare movie, I don't think I've ever seen another movie quite like it actually, you needed to do that and it's something that would normally be lazy, right? But it just needed to happen for this movie to work. Yeah, the the narrator and the character that's narrating is like, he's in so many of the stories, but not really like influencing anything. But he's also yeah. like not just a complete fly on the wall. Yeah. Where it's just like, why are you even here? You just wrote yourself into the movie, basically. Yeah. Like, no, it, it's his his involvement feels organic. Everything. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm so glad you said what you said because my second note was this is basically an anthology right denny yes that was my that was my note verbatim (laughs) i I will say i do think that by the time we get to the end it's all coming together and pretty much all of it was important well most of it and but we don't realize that as we're seeing it like we Mm -hmm. don't know how the bus driver is actually going to be a rival gang lord. You know, like, I, you, they say, like, oh, but it's not time to tell Knockout Ned's story. And I had no inclination You're like, that his I story don't want to know be... his story. <laughs> right. I was like, it's just going to be another side quest, you know? Yeah. Like, But, like, yeah. I, I do think I do think it, it was more uh, or less less unrelated. But, like, it basically felt like an anthology for the first two-thirds of it, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Good. Good, good, good. I know how you love those. But yeah, it, it was... Them. He does. We'll, uh, we'll tell you all about it in about six weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... Normally, it was just like, ah, oh, it's not time to tell his story yet. Normally, I'd be like, I don't want to fucking know this guy's story. And then they're telling you the guy's story. You're like, I want to know more of this guy's story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's 20 more minutes of just this, right? Um, sadly, no. But, yeah, it was, well, yeah. You, you mentioned that our narrator and our main character is not really in the movie that much. But, well, not, not there's parts, there's extended periods where he's not um focused on but mm-hmm. I, I think that works because like that's the point of the movie is how against all odds he evaded getting mixed up in this you know like and that's what you're rooting for the whole time is for him to not become a hood and he has so many good reasons to do it and there's so many times where it seems like it's the only option and i don't know about you but i'm just like oh man just keep your nose clean kid you know like that's how i was feeling the whole time i was watching it like don't god there's a better way you can you can get out of this you know like and it's it's about how he was always the path of least resistance for him would have always been to get mixed up in drugs and gang wars and die young um Mm -hmm. and and how somehow some way he got out right like that's that's what the core of the movie is essentially that's what we're that's what we're left with at the end feeling good with all of this 
horror that we have witnessed throughout mm-hmm. throughout the movie. And weirdly, just some fun fun little bits too. <laughs> like there was there was yeah. a lot of fun. I I like that kind of to your point. You know, he's keeping his nose clean. He's doing good. If they don't go like full fucking Goodwill hunting or whatever, yeah. it's just like you're either in or you're out. You're just mm-hmm. like you're either going to the private school and like the the drug life and crime life is just tempting you yeah and this kid like tries his damnedest to do robberies and <laughs> with his friend and they're just he like it sucks at it yeah they're just like well we can't rob him he was actually a really cool guy <laughs> like, yeah well he has that's the difference between him and uh little z is yeah he has too much compassion and too much empathy to do the things that would be required of him and we see like knockout ned start out with that and then lose it right mm-hmm. um but our, our main character rocket um he preserved that within himself there was something about that that he just couldn't kill right yeah um, he couldn't kill other people but also couldn't kill this this sense of of empathy within himself he just it's, yeah. it's not the way he was yeah, normally in a movie there would be like a huge separation, but our our main character, you know, makes it clear like this is clearly not for me. But I'm still going to go to the, you know, the the guy that sells all the drugs in this neighborhood. I'm going to go buy pot from that guy. Like he's still like kind of involved. He's just like just because I'm not actively a criminal doesn't mean I'm not going to do drugs that are nowhere to find, yeah. you know, the drug lords or the criminals or how to get a gun or whatever. He's still, like, he still knows. He can still, like, stand up for himself and, like, take yeah. care of himself and everything. He's not a Boy Scout. He's yeah. Not, he's... he's not white meat, you know? Like, he's he's got flavor and depth to him, um, and that's what makes this movie awesome yeah exactly it makes it more believable that he's the narrator for this movie because he's only like tangentially involved but he's mm-hmm. involved enough i guess well and i think that's something that i loved that they showed um i've mentioned i've mentioned the fun bits a little bit but i think it, it gave a balanced perspective on what life was like there because like up until the end it wasn't suffering 24 7 you know it was like hey we lived in one of the worst places you could live the police were corrupt um the city was basically run by crime lords but even for a while like little z used his power to like stop robberies and rapes and murders right like he was like no one can do that in my city and Mm -hmm. we see like we see just some growing up stuff you know we see playing soccer we see going surfing we see having a crush on a pretty girl um it was a story about like the human resilience you know that even in these horrible circumstances people fall in love people find joy people get through stuff together and they find their little pockets where they feel safer right you know like that's i think it it made the movie more of a complete meal instead of a heavy-handed drama yeah ah hell yeah that's nice yeah all right um yeah I, I'm not really sure where to go next with it. I I kind of wanted to talk about like the filmmaking and the camera work, like we did with Ikaru, but this Let's one seems it. it's just it should make you sick, right? 
it's so active. Yeah, it's moving too much. Yeah, <laughs> moving quite a bit. It's like there's a fluidity in the chaos, though. Yeah, it yeah. it never goes full uncut gems, but <laughs> <laughs> motion or the movie. <laughs> it's not fully Cloverfield. I don't feel claustrophobic, but it does. It's chaotic when it needs to be and stationary when it needs to be. And it's just like this. It's not really an indie film. It had like a three plus million dollar budget or so. But it just it feels so I don't want to say quaint. I don't know. This is it's it's weird to describe how I feel about like the direction in this movie because it feels so it's just from a world that I have absolutely zero perspective on. Yeah, like the universal language of filmmaking is speaking well enough that I'm like, okay, I understand now yeah. because you've shown it to me in such a cool and artistic way that I understand it better. Even though this is a world that I'm in no way understanding of or a part of, you've shown it to me in a way that I can understand. So, yeah, kudos. Yeah, it- it made something that you know like literally between between talking about movies we were just talking about how we're uh white suburban guys who relate Mm -hmm. to other white suburban guys right um and this should be inaccessible right like and i think that's probably some of my resistance is i was like i'm not gonna relate to this i'm just gonna have to appreciate art great just fucking great oh damn Um, it (laughs) but they they make it feel very familiar they make they make it feel uh and maybe it's just because we spend so much time there and we get to see so many aspects of life there um, and we get to meet so many characters that by the time it's over, uh, you feel like you know the place a little bit. You feel like yeah. you've been there a while. You got acquainted. It's like it's like an alien, right? Where, well, before you answer. Uh, it's like <laughs> it's, it's like an alien where if if you're very clear and concise with your filmmaking, you're watching Alien, you start to understand the geography of the ship. You're just like, oh, I know these halls. I know how to get to the medical bay or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're just like, subconsciously, you're just like, I understand where we are and how to get places. I recognize different areas. And I feel like I know how to get around this place in a weird way, and in, in, in a place that I've never been. Yeah. And this movie does kind of the same thing where you're like, oh, to get to the apartment or to get to the club or to the beach, whatever, like, I kind of feel like I don't know my way around, but it just, it feels like I've been here before when they, like, go to the same places or, like, revisit certain scenes. In some cases, you're just like, I feel like I've been here before, not I've been shown this but it's a different feeling of like familiarity of like having actually been there. It's yeah. It's like that. Agreed a hundred percent, brother. Agreed a hundred percent. We should uh, do alien soon. I've been wondering when, <laughs> when you're going to pick it. I know it's one of your all timers. Yeah. Well, we just got to pick a theme for it. Movies for when it's Greg's favorite movies. You could just do your top three. Oh, fuck. That sounds great, actually. I'd do that episode. That's going to be a five-hour episode. (laughs) Three hours on No Country for Old Men. Um. (laughs) 
an hour and a half on Chicken Run. <laughs> episode executive produced by James Cameron. <laughs> an hour and a half on Chicken Run. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. I feel like I've kind of said what I have to say about City of God. Do you have anything else? No, I think I'm I'm kind of there. Um, I just wanted to point out, like like you were saying earlier, this is two hours or so that just melts away. Yeah. It just it, it breezes right by. I I forgot how short this movie actually was when I watched it again. And short? Oh, I I said short, right? How short it was? How short it felt. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah. Greg, this was a long fucking movie, man. <laughs> Two hours is not a long movie. Two hours and two Unless minutes. it's a movie that should have been 90 minutes, then two hours yeah, is an fair. eternity. There is fair. a difference. Yeah. <laughs> there are two and a half hours movie, two and a half hour movies that I feel like should be longer, and then there's two hour and ten minute movies that I'm just <laughs> slogging through. Like, Come the fuck on, Captain America 2. <laughs> Every Marvel movie does not have to be 150 minutes jesus Every marvel movie could be like 20 minutes if they <laughs> stripped it down to the important parts uh, but we're not here to talk about star wars we're here to talk about uh, <laughs> yeah, spoilers for the end lil z the the big bad criminal I, two things his relationship with the man character is so fucking funny to me he constantly forgets him. Yeah. Like Lil Z just keeps forgetting who Rocket is. Like, yeah. no, you're the guy that like. I think he killed his brother. I think he killed the main character's older brother, Goose. Right? Like he's uh, he's known him so since they were like killed in this movie. There's so many like. <laughs> they've known each other since they were little kids, and he's like, "Who's this fucking kid again?" Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Oh yeah, just just give him the camera, whatever. I don't even know who this is. And then like Rocket's panicking because he took pictures of the gangs, and then in his internship at the newspaper, they published the picture of the gangs on the front page of the newspaper. And Rocket's like, "Oh no, I I showed his face on the newspaper. He's gonna fucking kill me." And then Lil Z's like, "Holy shit, we made the front page of the newspaper. Everyone's gonna love and respect me now." <laughs> Like, their relationship is so funny. Like, the big bad guy of the movie and the main character do not have, like, a contentious relationship, necessarily. Mm -hmm. No, it's, they're pretty chill. Honestly, yeah. I think Little Z likes Rocket a lot more than Rocket knows. Like, he, like, <laughs> <laughs> he seems, to, seems to have a fondness for him. I think knowing that he should be afraid of him kind of keeps him alive because, you know, everyone's, that seems to, like, get close to Little Z. Seems to slip up in some way and wind up dying. For no reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he he stays the perfect distance to, for it to be like almost a friendship. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, Not close enough to piss him off, just far enough away for him to forget about him every couple days. <laughs> <laughs> for years, this happens. Uh, Lil Lil Z, he does uh, get his in the end. The little kids that he's terrorizing in the neighborhood uh wind up killing him and that scene felt like when scar was killed by the hyenas in the lion king <laughs> yeah 
I didn't think that until now, but yes, <laughs> you're absolutely I right. I didn't think it until this watch through. I was just like, oh, this feels just like that. <laughs> it, it was pretty awesome. And then at that point, I was like, oh, shit, the movie's about to end, huh? <laughs> I thought we had like 30 more minutes. Yep. All right. You ready to gimmick it up, my friend? I think I can gimmick it up, brother. I think I'm ready. I know you can. I know you're ready. <laughs> All right. Uh, Denny, what is your moment of palette progression for City so, of God? It was really early in the movie, and I thought, since I thought they were like establishing a style and they were going to do this more um, throughout the movie, but they didn't, and I think it made it mean all the more. It's when um, I think they're hiding from the cops, and just to convey fear and to convey danger, they just cut away to a smaller fish suddenly getting eaten by a bigger fish. Yeah, um, it's, it's when the two of the older brothers are like running from the cops yeah yeah and they like they're like hiding up in the tree and he's just yeah he has like a vision and he calls it a vision of yeah that that big fish eating the little fish Mm -hmm. it only like happens for a few seconds they finally escape the cops he's like i'm gonna go join the church now i'm fucking done with this shit i'm out yeah 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 (laughs) i uh i thought that was a really brilliant filmmaking technique and a bold one and uh yeah and i felt i felt fear right like it was like i I felt the fear they wanted me to feel um and that was uh i don't know i guess if i I, it just felt fresh to me it felt like it was showing me something new Mm Hmm. yeah that's awesome about you yeah i i I noticed that one more this time around i don't think i remembered it when i saw it but it stuck out more this time yeah it 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 stuck out I, i really liked it for me, it's the story of the apartment. That's the text that shows up on the screen when mm-hmm. they tell us the story of the apartment. It's just this magnificent little microcosm of rapid storytelling where he's just like... he Rocket is in the apartment, like, buying the pot to go take to the girl he has a crush on who was later in, like, Suicide Squad. Uh... Yeah, Angelica, that actress went on to be in like the Suicide Squad and oh, a bunch shit, of other films. I didn't know that. I was like, I recognize her. It was like her second movie she ever did. Um She crushed it. She crushed it. Uh but yeah, he's like buying pot to go take back to her. And then Lil Z shows up to the apartment while he's there. And he's basically, like, decided he's done with robbing. He's going to get into the drug game now. He's going to start by taking this apartment. And then Rocket says, here's why this apartment is so important. And then they give us the story of the apartment. And it's just one stationary camera in the back of the apartment, like in the kitchen, just showing the whole thing. It stays still, and then it progresses a story, like, over years. We're showing, like, the original owner how it got handed off to this person, this person's, like, underboss. Like, this guy worked his way up to be a manager for, like... And then, like, they started selling drugs out of here. This guy gave it to this person. This guy gave it to this person. Um, this guy had to kill his own friend. And it's all just shown in the same spot over the course... It's like a three-minute scene of, like, concise storytelling where it's just, like, even two characters that, like... They show up, the apartment's new to them, and within like 10 seconds, one is shooting the other, 
but like this half of the frame hasn't fully dissolved into the the future yet it's like this really interesting thing where like they kind of split the screen sometimes and like the past is happening over here while the future is happening here and it's just like alternating and it's just like this beautiful flow of storytelling it's just yeah yeah ah it's like for a movie like i said sequence it was so cool and you're just like in a movie that like i described as uncut gems filmmaking we get a stationary camera telling a story in three minutes yeah beautiful it was freaking awesome man that was one of the best parts of the whole movie without a doubt and man loved the camera work in this i hate shaky cam i'm totally over it and it never bothered me once uh, you know like mm-hmm. that's, that's how good it was that that's this movie in a nutshell i don't like this thing but i like that they i like it when they did yeah. it if you're gonna do it do it like this right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna shoot a child and show rape <laughs> put a massive trigger warning for everyone on this movie trigger warning everything all of it <laughs> all all of it yeah it's it's like we we're saying it's it's very violent it's not on sunday level of violence against children but mm, it's kind of close mm, we're getting there we're getting it's there. not not that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's a good way of phrasing it all right denny what's your favorite line from city of god you know not a lot of lines really stuck out to me um that might have been because i was reading the english translations but uh i went with one that was written was panning up uh after a store was robbed after a bakery was robbed panning up to thank you for choosing us on their wall as though i remember that the sign was thanking the robbers (laughs) i thought that was (laughs) really funny (laughs) that's a good one man uh mine mine was from the main character Uh, i think when they I think they have like one successful robbery and they like come into some money and he's like it was like a message from god honesty doesn't pay sucker (laughs) (laughs) it was hard to grab a favorite line uh from this one but i really like that one a lot yeah that's a great pick (laughs) (laughs) all right what about you man what's your favorite score what favorite score what is your score my favorite score is 43, but uh, this movie I gave uh, <laughs> I gave a 46, um, 46 out of 50. Nice. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, that is in the upper, upper echelons of my Critiker. Um, that's that's a high rating for me. What about you? Uh, this is a movie that I love. I have loved for a long time. It is very clearly early 2000s, but like we just said multiple times in a way that doesn't bother me um this one is a 38 out of 40 for me Ooh, baby 38 yeah Ooh, baby from a it's, tough grader it's up there man from a tough grader i didn't i can't believe we've never talked about this movie and you love it this much i like i said i hadn't seen it like close to 10 years and i was just yeah. like it's fucking time yeah <laughs> to bust I mean, this one out see if it's as good as i remember when when you chose it based off the theme in the group chat you said "Ooh, i get to be pretentious i'm picking this and i didn't <laughs> think this was a pretentious movie at all yeah like, it I, really wasn't i said that and i was like well actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah. pretty down to earth 
Dude, he's the last auteur. Nathan Fielder is the last auteur. I will die on this hill. Well, then there is Zack Snyder. <laughs> and that's going to be a seamless edit, baby. I've decided to put it there because I need everybody to hear that. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for the the Snyder cut of the rehearsal. <laughs> I never heard anyone asking for the Kubrick cut. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Well, to be fair, director's cuts of certain films are often better. Some, there's some cases where they're better. Alien. Uh, Donnie Darko. Sarah Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko, for sure. Um, I had another one that I forgot. Just, Justice League. Obviously what you were building up to. <laughs> Um, I haven't sure, seen buddy. either cut. I don't. I don't give a shit about Justice League. I don't give a fucking shit about that fucking movie. Sure, sure, sure buddy. Uh, Blade Runner. That's the other one I was trying to think of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. We got there. You don't have uh, Harrison Ford sabotaging the movie by doing an intentionally boring narration in the director's cut, so that's a big improvement. <laughs> I want to see the Snyder cut of Blade Runner 2049. Let's just call director's cuts. He Snyder didn't direct it. Now. <laughs> he didn't direct it, but he's like, I, I know what I want to put in this. He just like creates his own footage, doesn't get Superman Ryan Gosling. flies in, punches Ryan Gosling. <laughs> he just like deep fakes himself to be Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I don't understand the point this of this scene. Is Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just oh like, man! What? What? What if? I think this movie needed a scene where me playing deepfake Ryan Gosling had sex with Ana de Armas. It's <laughs> going real. in the movie. <laughs> you can see the penetration in the movie for art. What do you mean she's not available? <laughs> Fine, we'll give it the Henry Cavill mustache treatment, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, people don't forget about that mustache. What are we here to talk about? Um, we're here to talk about on? a movie that, you know, let's just say it's no Snyder Cut. Casablanca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the greatest movies ever made in all of history, Casablanca. I can't, I can't, I can't besmirch the name of 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 casablanca zach snyder oh casablanca <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad we have such reverence for mr snyder so denny casablanca from 1942 yeah. one of the oldest movies we've done on here i think frankenstein yeah. is still the oldest uh, this is probably. I think the, this is the second oldest movie we've done on here. This is another movie that you can find on HBO Max. I'll remind everybody for a third time that all these movies are on HBO fucking Max. Enjoy it while you can, because nothing lasts forever, especially not HBO Max. <laughs> That's right. Uh, just skip past the forty prompts to get you to watch House of the Dragon. <laughs> Jesus. And Ugh. go to the search bar and go to Cas. Look up Casablanca. Like, I'm gonna watch the Lord of the Rings show instead, you little bitches. Yeah, even if that show's good, I don't. I'm done caring. 
I'm done. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't you care. Couldn't, you couldn't do something so good that it made me care again. Like, it's just literally impossible. You Not ru- even you if ruined Cider the whole directed thing. the Game of Thrones spinoff. Oh, my God. Well, they do have all the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the extended editions available on HBO Max. What a wonderful streaming Does service. I Amazon hope no one Prime screws it up anytime. <laughs> <sighs> Can't wait to watch that fucking show, dude. The Lord of the Rings show. Rings, Rings of Power. Power. Yeah, yeah really I'm going to watch that without my wife because she's just going to roll her eyes and ruin it for me. Oh, my wife is going to like tell me stuff from the Cimmerillion and why it makes sense <laughs> the whole time. I should watch it with my dad because he has like deep knowledge of Tolkien lore and everything. Hell yeah. One of those guys. I love those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Some, sometimes I, I, I look at my dad's um interest and past i'm like how did he get my mom (laughs) (laughs) how did he uh i i look at you every day and wonder how you got leah and i look at so do i (laughs) fuck i got vanessa i think uh you get them while they're picking up strays that's how that's how you do it boys you get them when they're feeling charitable they want to take in a little mangy mutt, and uh, they're 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 and a white feeling, guy. Uh, <laughs> in yeah. my case, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of white guys, they hang out in Casablanca quite a bit, at least in this ah, film. <laughs> that's right. Bringing it on um, back, Denny. This was your pick. Please summarize Casablanca for us. Casablanca is a story of uh, Rick. Um, not from Rick and Morty. The what? A, oh, damn it. Come on. <laughs> damn it. Sorry. Did I step on you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, what well, was Morty there too? The saloon <laughs> was on. The saloon owner was a freaking, turned himself into a freaking pickle. Funniest shit I ever seen in my life. <laughs> You're getting me way too slap happy to talk about Casablanca. I'm going to be a jackass we're this in the, segment. We're in the wrong mindset. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking talking about pickle rick in the middle of summarizing casablanca (laughs) rick runs a nightclub with uh not so secret gangling uh gangling jesus fucking christ gambling (laughs) Gambling. (laughs) i was wondering what you were going for (laughs) i'm so tired and my meds are wearing off gambling um i can't wait to go to vegas so we can gangle together (laughs) yep um (laughs) I'm going to gangle you all over Las Vegas. I gangled my house away. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a classy establishment, but it's also kind of seedy. Um, we know that Rick uh, is banned from America for reasons we never find out. Um, and uh, we know he's a very jaded man with a heart of gold. It's under there somewhere. Um, and everything's going fine if you ignore the German occupation um, mm-hmm. up until up until one day um, of all the gin joints in all the world she had to she had to walk into this one. That's a reference to a Fallout Boy song from Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> um, Der- Casablanca's uh, derivative of Fallout Boy. Yeah. No, his uh, his former lover who abandoned him comes uh, comes with her uh fiance fiance they engaged boyfriend uh partner let's say partner um, she he says go back to your husband later on oh, okay cool with her husband um 
And wouldn't you know it, you just can't be mad at the guy because he's legitimately the underground leader of the Nazi resistance. It's not a good look to, to hate on him. Um, and uh, so Rick is placed in a moral quandary. He has two letters of transit to get out of Casablanca, which is a hard thing to do because of the German occupation. Um, it's technically a French territory and Germany's occupying France. Bada bing, bada boom. It's kind of neutral ground, but not really. Um, and he is in a quandary because he wants to escape with, uh, what's Ingrid Bergman's name in the movie? What's her name? I'm so tired. I'm broken. Uh, Casablanca. No, her name's not fucking Casablanca. <laughs> I thought the movie was about her. <laughs> kind of is. Um, oh my God. El, uh, uh, Ilsa. Ilsa. There we go. So, um, there's kind of this love triangle going on. I'm making this movie sound fucking terrible. Um, it's like, it's amazing. Um, I wasn't going to say anything. Rick has to ask himself, um, is he going to do what's best for him, which he keeps claiming is his MO, um, and get away with Ilsa and, uh, go back to his home country of America, or is he going to do what's right for the world, which is, um, respect their love and preserve the health, happiness, and life of a leader of the uh, resistance against the Nazis. And uh, he finangles everything and does this big reveal that um, he's basically tricked them into escaping together. Um, he kills uh, the captain, the German captain, um, and then to, I guess, the constable, the sheriff, I don't know, I'm so tired. Um, he's <laughs> like, all right, we're going to go on adventures and get out of here. And I think this is the beginning the of a beautiful friendship. There we go. There we go. All right, Denny, um, what's your relationship with Casablanca so you can go to bed? Um, Casablanca is one of my favorite movies ever made in all of history. Um, I, I first saw it in college um, while me and my guy friends um ate a big bowl of pasta and now i think that's that's the only way to watch the movie with someone you really oh. care about with a big bowl of pasta um one time i took my <laughs> grandma to see it at the alamo draft house um did you guys and that have was pasta? a really cool experience we didn't have pasta i did oh. get um a, a custom cocktail it was called rick's old-fashioned um because in the movie we apparently don't know what rick drinks yes we do it's gin what are they talking about um but it was it was really good um man vanessa and i like this is one of our like special occasion movies we'll we'll like mm -hmm. we won't just put it on we'll watch it for like valentine's day or something you know like it's it's something we both feel so strongly about um i've been in love with it since i saw it probably a little over a decade ago 2010 was when i first saw it don't call so, yeah. don't call it's not it she has a name and it's vanessa so hey hey i've been in love with her since i first saw her um there you go but i saw casablanca first and if we learned anything <laughs> it's that me and my casablanca dvd it's important for us to get away together <laughs> vanessa has to do the right thing and no i would never leave her especially not for a dvd that's streaming <laughs> what about that's you right. greg i just dropped my phone What's your, Denny, what's your fucking relationship with this fucking movie? I'm, I'm yeah. sober. I'm sober right now. I don't have a beer in my That's hand. what's funny. I'm, I've been drinking since we started. Um, 
Yeah, man, I had never seen this movie. I feel like I knew some of the quotes from it, but I didn't really know what it was about. I never saw it. I don't think my my parents have probably seen it, but we've never like talked about it. I just I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Or I didn't, of course, until I saw it. And I watched it. I knew how much Denny loved it. I approached it with that same level of reverence and yeah, it was good time. I thought it, I think this is a really good movie. I understand why it's a classic, beloved. Uh it's cool. Crazy that this is 80 years old. 80 fucking years old. That's insane yeah. to me. Yeah. Watching it, you're just like, this is just such expert writing and like high, just high quality filmmaking that you're like, this doesn't make sense. This this came out during early World War II. Like, yeah. that's wild. Yeah. Um, I would like to give uh, one line reno review of casablanca if i may oh, God. will reno's review on critiker is as follows never mind that i have hot rod rated higher than this <laughs> from the man who worships gumby <laughs> we worship gumby too though you guys were talking about gumby replacing the washington monument while i was visiting the washington monument and that was on purpose you guys were right I, I, I went there, I saw it, and I was like, this would be better as Gumby. Yeah, <laughs> I've been saying. That's that's the start. That's his left leg. We'll build the next leg. There's a lot of room out there. There's a whole lot of grass that we could build a Gumby statue. That's all I'm saying. What did, what did Will rate this movie? I think he gave it a 29 out of 40. Out of 40? Yeah. What a little bitch. He gave Hot Rod a 34, so. Jesus Christ. I, I I followed up. I looked up what he gave Hot Rod. <laughs> he gave Gumby a thirty-eight. I haven't watched it yet. Guy? I I can't speak to it. I haven't watched it yet, but I will. Uh, yeah. This yeah. Let's talk about why this is good. We we praised Ikaru and City of God plenty. I want to give you a little more of a platform for our last movie tonight to like really just tell the people how much and why you love this movie let me find my center first um, so i can actually do that it's right about here uh, can't believe you don't know this can't believe you don't know this <laughs> everyone in the audience take a nice deep breath check in with yourself mm -hmm. there we go okay um to me this movie is it's like a mix of carpentry and poetry there's an absolutely perfect structure with an interwoven um emotional depth to it um something vanessa and i were saying on this watch through was no matter how many times i watch this i root with all of my heart for rick's cold heart to warm up again Mm -hmm. um, and I always, always feel it when it does. Um, I once, after like I'd seen this movie five or six times, I wondered if it was perfect. Um, so I watched through it looking for any flaw I could possibly find. And I did find, I found a continuity <coughs> error. Um, there's a point where one of Humphrey Bogart's cigarettes grows. 
um, instead of shrinks while he's smoking it. And I decided mm-hmm. to myself, who gives a fuck um, if I had to, <laughs> like, comb this movie to find it after six watches? Um, but it does prove that, like, no movie's perfect, but this is this is about as close as you could come uh, to an absolutely perfect movie, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I just can't say enough good things about it, and man... Has there ever in all of history been a better leading man than Humphrey Bogart? The man just exudes star of the show. Um, and man, it's it's a beautiful story about trauma and about loss and about how that leaves an imprint on you. And then about how you can heal from that and reconnect to something that's bigger than yourself. You know, it's our instinct when we get mm. hurt to isolate to only care about what's good for us um and really he's trying to numb himself to a pain he doesn't know how to deal with and then his stitches get ripped out and he's just bleeding all over the place you know metaphorically speaking um and he successfully confronts that and gets back in touch with who he is and what's important to him and and does something that's good for other people and not just for him mr never sticks his neck out for no one um Add to the bonus that this is a movie about World War II that came out while World War II was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you I wanted you to know that most of the extras were French expats. Um, the scene where they sing um, the French national anthem over yeah. over the German one, like people broke down crying while they were shooting it um, mm-hmm. because that, that, that was such a moment of real emotion and real triumph and real defiance for the people making the movie. I don't think there's another movie like this in the world that captures something like that on film. Yeah. Um, and just with, with like the technology they were using, the turnaround time on this and to come out with something so functionally perfect with how fast they would have had to make it. And, Keep in mind, this is people, like, cutting up pieces of film and gluing them together to edit, you know? <laughs> like, that's... Mm-hmm. I, I just... I, I could just gush on and on about how much I love Casablanca and how I'm, I love <laughs> the feeling of old Hollywood... Um, I think I've I think I've said before that like anytime I see like 40s Hollywood in a movie, I feel nostalgic for a time I've never experienced. You know, I'm just like that's such a like movies from this era are just so special and captivating to me. Um, I just think if I if I could show you one American movie ever made, I would show you Casablanca, without a doubt. Um, mm-hmm. So I've gushed for a while. Um, not Pulp Fiction. Interesting. I would show you if I could show you one movie that I think really sums up American filmmaking. I would show you Casablanca, not Pulp Fiction. And also, if I had one American movie, I wouldn't want to like confuse someone who's oh. not from America that much with Pulp Fiction. Yeah. No, all the all the white guys just say this word. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's uh, unfortunately more true than not true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a gamer yeah, a word in our country. <laughs> you may have heard this one on Xbox Live. Don't worry, we don't all say it all the time. Um, only when we're gaming. Only when you're teabagging us in uh, Call of Duty. Um, yeah, I I love everything you said, man. Like, 
I, I don't think I have a real romanticizer, like, fondness for 40s Hollywood, like, as much as you do. I do like this movie a lot. I do enjoy watching films from that era. Like, it, it does have, like, a certain special feel. I just think I connect with it a little less than you. But that's whatever. You know, that's that's you and that's me. It's just a I'm difference we have. Boy. It's just a very... This is a very sentimental movie. I am too, but just for different stuff. Sure, But sure. I, I understand your feeling mine is just placed elsewhere, I guess. Fair enough. Um, I, I, I like where you're coming from, where you would call this, like, a perfect movie, despite, like, minor flaws that you would find. Like, my favorite movie... no real hard for them. Yeah, exactly. Like, my favorite movie, No Country for Old Men... Like, the main bad guy uses a shotgun that's semi-automatic that's not invented until, like, eight years after the film is set. Like, right, right. stuff doesn't always line up. But, but who like, fucking cares? For you, this is a movie that you're like, I see a flaw and I, it just... I'm able to brush it away with such ease yeah. that it's just such a non-issue for me. And it's like like we're talking about with City of God is just like I guess it's a little different where it's not like an there's not an issue or an error that we're looking past. That one was more like here's something I normally don't like that is actually I'm I'm kind of brushing it aside, but it's the same kind of like feeling of this might bother me elsewhere, but I don't give a shit right now because everything else I'm watching is so amazing. Um, yeah, I, I like this kind of storytelling. I, I think this was maybe just a thing of the time where we didn't have time to kind of piss around and establish the plot too terribly slowly. We just, like, we just establish the stakes, get us into the story, get us in the characters, yeah. go. Within five minutes, we know the story, we know the conflict, we know the stakes, and we're invested. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we, we talked about the other two movies being, like, just Ikaru, just like a masterpiece of, like, bare-bones, cinematic, like, concise care, meticulous work. Mm -hmm. City of God, just, like, building this beautiful, like, interwoven stories of, like, atmosphere and just, like personal connection to so many different moving parts and characters this movie is just like a master class of writing a good fucking movie writing yeah. a good story with good lines good characters everything makes sense this is a writing masterpiece for me i think that's Absolutely. that's this that's the biggest strength for me here that's what stu stuck out for me here yeah dude it's like again like I'll go back to carpentry and poetry. It's like every word they say, every single word they say, I'm just like, God, it's just, that's right where that word belongs. You know, <laughs> like every line hits. Um, there's like five or six absolutely iconic lines, you know, like throughout oh, yeah. the movie. And there's even a Mandela effect line. Do you know about it? Uh, no. I did it in our intro. On it, purpose. It's, it's like, hello, Clarice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, what is uh, it? Play it again, Sam. Um, it's uh, it's uh, like Woody Allen made a movie that references this and has like 
a, a Humphrey Bogart figure talk to him and mm-hmm. called it Play It Again, Sam. Um, a famous band named an album Play It Again, Sam. I forget what. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody thinks it's in it, and it's it's not in the movie at all. Like, he never tells Sam. Like, he says, play it, Sam. If she can stand it, I can. And people have mm-hmm. this Mandela effect memory where he, like, has his flashback, his reverie, and then goes, play it again, Sam. Which would be a great line. You know, it yeah, would be a fantastic also good. line. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's not there. It's not there. And that's just another little... Another little neat thing about the movie. There's something in the zeitgeist that doesn't exist in it. It's, uh, where's Rachel and hello, Clarice. Where is she? <laughs> Where is Clarice? Uh, where's Clarice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you... Kind of going back to a thing you mentioned about French expats being the extras in this movie. You t- All you told me was that that impact... That makes a scene more impactful. I didn't yeah. know what the scene was, but they start playing it and i'm just like holy shit this is ex- this is clearly what he was talking about and i don't know it just there's so many like entry points for anybody to connect with what's going on and it's just like yeah. you know we forget like how many movies have come out like the last 20 years that were about like the iraq war yeah and that's just you know that's the time for us as early 30s year olds like that's that's all we know and movies about those things are just like oh this is a movie about a real world world thing that's going on like Mm -hmm. i understand the world i'm in and here's a movie about the world i'm in and like specifically like global war and that kind of thing and we it's it's hard for us because then we watch movies about world war ii we're just like saving private ryan whatever like band of brothers we watch that stuff and we're just like oh that's just something from a long time ago i think this is something that shouldn't be such a shock but it kind of is a movie about world war ii that came out during it just because like filmmaking wasn't you know to the obviously to the point it is today but just like it tells the story connects us in with uh, sides and standings in during World War II while it's going on. It's just, it's so impactful. And that scene probably pissed off a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that made a hell of a I statement for the story. I guarantee this was not story. shown in Germany. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee. <laughs> um, yeah, I never thought about that as like, a workaround for the limitation of because uh, like I, I, it's something I do love about the movie is that you don't get a lot of movies centered around a war that show like how it affected people who were alive but weren't soldiers but were affected by the war right like that's not that's not mm-hmm. as common and I it, it is it is now yeah sorry go i probably ahead. don't i probably don't watch them is probably more what I, I, I would never watch a movie like that actually <laughs> so that's probably more i'm speaking from ignorance here but i didn't think about it as a limitation that they like probably couldn't do a really good battlefield scene at this time and i don't think people understood the full horror of auschwitz yet you know like they, they talk about auschwitz and how no, bad it is um, but like People hadn't been to Holocaust museums when this came out, you know? No, well, it, it was happening. Like, 
America yeah. didn't know about the Holocaust until two years after this movie came out. Yeah, America like, was <laughs> ignoring like, the no Holocaust. the world. No, the world didn't know. Yeah. Like we didn't know concentration camps were a thing in, in existence. Like the majority of the world didn't know until you know allied forces started pushing back and we just found them we're like who are these people what the fuck is going on here mm -hmm. i was in dc and went to the holocaust museum that's why this is fresh on my mind that was probably really really heavy it was a very heavy experience yes yeah i'd imagine oh man i i wish i could just like live in the vibe of this movie I wish I yeah. could go to uh, to Rick's, you know? Like, that's just... The aura of Casablanca is what draws me to it more than anything, man. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you said the vibe of it and not, I want to go back to the 40s and experience this. because No, no, God, know. no. No, yeah. no, no, <laughs> Black, no, 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 no. Black people would rightfully stand up and say, actually, and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they would be right to do so. Like maybe that's not the best time to go back to. So, the vibe, the vibe though, I get it. Just you know, kind of a hole in the wall, like secret but not secret place. You can get your gangling done, um, <laughs> that sort of thing. I get what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, did you catch all the really subtle out cold references this movie <laughs> <laughs> made? Yeah, uh, when I was a little surprised that Rick made like a rope out of those dancers' bras all the way to the plane. <laughs> well, it's kind of crazy. It really pushed the boundaries. Um, this of all of all the jacuzzis. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd I have to get my Helmut stuck in this one? <laughs> This movie made me like Out Cold less because I saw Out Cold first, obviously. And I finally saw this and I was like, those fuckers just did Casablanca. It wasn't even an homage. They just did Casablanca, but worse. <laughs> All I'm saying is no one got sucked off by a polar bear in Casablanca. So I'm I docking it points wasn't there. It a perfect movie. <laughs> but it was close it's one of those things we push aside and say they did their best <laughs> i found some flaws you know like the the time i combed it i was like wait a minute a polar bear doesn't blow anyone in this movie like can i really call it perfect and Elsa, if you make it all the way to lisbon with all of your beer still in the glass you will be the mayor of that town <laughs> <laughs> oh man do, do you oh, relate babe. to rick do you relate to that pain I, I don't i don't know why are we getting so personal um i because I, I i do i really do i've i've been through some shit in my life that absolutely broke me and just felt like a shell of myself you know and had to had to had to thaw out had to had to take some time and have some experiences that uh made me more of a full human again returned me to my values and what i care about i guess so i just think i I would say the same thing, but I think a very big difference in approach where it's just like he's putting himself in front of so many people and mm -hmm. I feel like my inclination is to retreat away from people. Uh, yeah. So maybe not in the terms in the sense of like 
how those things are dealt with, but you know, yeah, but initial I mean, feelings wise, sure. He he retreats in in a lot of ways though, because they like talk about how he like never drinks with customers. He's always out on the floor, but he's very cold and unfeeling and callous. Um, and uh, it seems like Sam is like the only person who he's actually like bonded with in the world like on earth it seems like he and maybe that relationship with sam is what kept part of his heart alive because you see it throughout the movie where he just can't shake this inclination to look out for the underdog he just can't he wants to um and he just can't do it you know i I just there's something so powerful about that to me something so unbelievably powerful yeah yeah I don't I honestly I don't have a lot of notes on this one man. It was a it was a feelings movie. Yeah. I guess and you felt very strongly about it. I felt like a sense of understanding of like your perspective on it. I was like I get why Denny likes this so much. So it was it was definitely a fun watch. Thanks buddy. I feel Even sick. though even though Hot Rod is better. <laughs> According to some. According and to the some. Gumby movie. There you go. That's right. <laughs> I could I could jump into gimmicks. I feel like, uh, I mean, honestly, this is probably one of the most discussed and revered movies in American history. I don't I don't I don't know that I have a lot of interesting or new thoughts to add. I just you know all I can really do is talk about how much I love it, and I feel like I've done that. Very nice. Yeah. Uh. Sure. I this. It is bedtime, after all. I am pretty tired, too. <laughs> we are tired boys. We were... Never mind. All right. <laughs> yeah, we're very tired boys. Uh, Denny, we'll go into gimmicks. We'll start with the moment of palette progression. Um, for me, this was one that we already discussed at length, playing Marseilles over the German military song, National oh, Anthem. Yeah. I wasn't sure what it was. that was just it's just such a strong statement and it's just like you know you you think of like film from the 40s it's gotta be just like all this john wayne fucking like good guy wears white bad guy wears black yeah here's the cowboys like just very straightforward story of like good versus evil yeah go and this is just like such a strong statement of what was going on in the world at the time that you're just like holy shit these there was so much that needed to be said and this was such a good way good and cool way to do it that meant a lot to a lot of people so absolutely wonderful that's my that's my moment um i'm gonna go with something in a pretty similar vein um it's simply the twist on a on what a happy ending is you know like they mm-hmm. tell us to want this one thing and to root for this one thing and then they give us something so much better than that that has just a little bit of sting to it um i think it expanded the world's cinematic palettes you know like i think it uh it was one of the earliest movies that that taught at least americans like, like think a little bit deeper um look for something a little beyond what a movie can explain to you um, yeah and uh I think it kind of checked everyone, um, checked everyone who watched it. I've got to imagine it did. I know it checked me, um, so I'll go with that. What's uh, what's your favorite? I like line? it. 
This was hard. Like like I said earlier, this is just writing is the real star here, man. Yeah. So there's some absolute bangers in this movie, and I'm sure like if the creators of the film heard someone say that, they'd be like, "What the fuck?" Do um, <laughs> tell what do you call this bangers? <laughs> Need to do more of that. A um, in the mouth. Oh, I forgot you called them a sausage in the mouth. We just say sausage, Jenny. <laughs> um, I got a couple of runners up. I've got the intro explanation of what Casablanca is. Uh, but others wait in Casablanca and wait and wait and wait. I was like, damn. We're establishing this cool as hell already. Uh, another one is the sheriff or whatever kind of like giving in to the Nazi rule, German occupation, and deciding to close the bar. And he's like, and Rick is saying, on what grounds are you closing this? And the, you know what I'm going to say, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, it, it, the sheriff, it always pops me. The sheriff says, I am shocked shocked to find that there is gangling going on here and then the employee of the bar says you're winning sir thank you yes thank you oh you you got it now there you go yeah (laughs) oh yeah yeah you're winning sir it's great it's it's fucking awesome but but my winner was pretty early on someone's talking to rick and they say you despise me don't you and rick says if i gave you any thought i probably would Oh, fucking from half court, fucking swish, <laughs> Rick like over the back, not even looking. <laughs> yeah, just holding up the threes. He knows that shit's going in, and it does nothing but net. Wow, that's a moment where you're like, even his shadow is cool. Even his shadow, <laughs> look at his shadow. Just so effortlessly cool, man. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he's. Uh, what about you, man? What are, what are your what? Uh, I know you'll probably have a couple, but what's your favorite line here? I'm actually just gonna go because, like, I love all the powerhouses. You know, all all the famous lines, but I'm gonna go for one that's a little bit of a sleeper, not because of what the line says, but because of what it means in the movie. Um, and it's when um, it's when the young woman is consulting Rick. Um, about like hey we can get out of here um if either there's only two options my uh my boyfriend could win um or is it fiance i don't remember he could win a bunch of money and that's probably not going to happen or she implies that she could do a uh, sexual favor for the police chief and he'd, he'd give him he'd give him passage um and rick goes over to her boyfriend at the table and this is the point where I just start rooting for him. It's I just start mm-hmm. to rally every time mm-hmm. he does this, and I get emotional thinking about it. And he goes, "Have you tried twenty two tonight?" Then he wins on twenty two, and he goes, "Leave it there." Like that, leave it there is so fucking yeah. Uh, and he's just being so cool, and he's doing the right thing, and he's giving up like thousands of dollars of his money because he still has a heart left in him. Um, and he still has compassion, and I have I have chills right now, Greg. Chills just remembering that scene. So I'm actually gonna go with leave it there, 
I'll throw a, I'll throw a runner up to welcome back to the fight, um, and I'll throw a runner up to uh, play it, Sam, or play it. If she can stand it, I can, because that's the actual line. I fucking love it. Yeah, I love it. Well done, man. Uh, I already know the answer, but Denny, please tell everybody else what your Critiker score is for Casablanca. 50 out of 50, and not only is that my rating, but Casablanca is my standard for what a 50 is. Um, if I'm ever wondering if I should give a movie a 50, I ask myself, could I mention it in the same category as Casablanca? That's It's, it's, my, it's my measuring stick. It's the template, baby. That's awesome. What about you? Um, I kind of went back and forth. I, I think I felt a little less of a connection with it. Um, it is extremely good. And at a certain point, I was like, I'm not, I'm liking this movie a lot. I'm not loving everything about it. And then I checked and there were 15 minutes left and I was upset. Aww. I was like, this, this is still, <laughs> this is still getting me. Um, even though it may not be like a deep connection, like a, like it is for Denny, but that's okay. That's Denny has his, I have mine. I gave this one this a is 30 a feelings podcast. There you go. This is a feelings podcast. So my feelings guided me to a 34 out of 40, which is still is still very high. Again, uh, from it's a the same grader. It's the same rating that some others would give Hot Rod. But <laughs> <laughs> What's what's your Hot Rod rating for comparison? I think mine's actually a I think I gave it a 29. So we have <laughs> Yeah, uh, Will and I have inverse hot rod and Casablanca. <laughs> I wonder what Rings. I gave hot rod. I gave Probably hot rod a forty-five. That might be a little oh, high. <laughs> mine was a, a thirty-one. I gave it a thirty-one. I might have to drop hot rod a few. I don't know. No, <laughs> no, no. It. That's not what All we're right. here for. I'm leaving. Don't it compare it to Casablanca. <laughs> 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 Judge it for what it is. Come on, buddy. All right. All right. We did it, Denny. Uh, we did what it, Greg. Is, we did it. We're back. The boys are back in town. Boy, We've done are it we. once again. Boys are it's we. It's just the two of us. We can rate it if we try. <laughs> but Denny. You and I. What is the best movie for when you want to enhance your cinematic palette? Oh, man. Casablanca. All I gotta right. go with Casablanca. Um, I think I think if if you haven't seen Casablanca and you care about movies at all, you owe it to yourself to see it. And I, I think as good as the other two are, I wouldn't say like I wouldn't say your palate is incomplete without them per se. But I would say like if if you're a movie buff, if you're really into film, um, you have got to see Casablanca at some point sooner rather than later. So I'm gonna go with Casablanca. Very good. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stick with my pick. I'm going to say City of God, because if you're wanting to enhance your cinematic palette, just look at what everyone else, or just look at what others in all different parts of the world are doing with less. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just just yeah. think of, like, it, it's incredible. I just think it's it's such amazing storytelling for something that most of us in America cannot possibly even relate to. It just gives us such a perfect glimpse into just another another world, and it just feels so natural, and yep. it's just so well done that it's just like, god damn! It just it opens up a new world, and I think that's what 
cinema and especially foreign cinema does so i was gonna i knew i was gonna pick a foreign movie for what was gonna win this so i went with city of god here dope man and a fair justification um i went with the audience you went with yourself and no one went with me (laughs) (laughs) Um, hey we liked that movie though yeah tell yeah we liked them all this was I, I would not be surprised if this was our like highest average rating episode. Would you? I, 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 feel I like we were very high on all these movies. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it is. It's yeah. it it has to be. It's like, gotta be. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll do the math later. But okay. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> One day when we get bored enough, we'll figure it out. Um, That's the spirit. Greg, do you want to tell the people what we're doing next week? Yeah, next week. Uh, we've got a few more weeks until spooky season. It's still August. You will not believe what we have in store for you. (laughs) Calm, calm, uh, hold, something britches. What do you do with your britches? Calm your britches? Cool your britches? Cool your tits. Cool your tits, tits, Denny. Calm your tits, Denny. My tits are cool, Greg. (laughs) Hell yeah, they are, brother. Look at those sunglasses. Um, Uh, so next week... (laughs) shut up (laughs) this has been on our list for a while of episodes we wanted to do we're going to be doing movies for when you're coming of age we talked about city of god being a coming of age movie let's uh let's dive into the topic specifically though next week what are what are some um coming of age movies that you guys like we will have a poll for our third pick my pick is going to be mid 90s Ooh, a, I've been wanting to see that one. I haven't seen it yet. I've got it on Blu-ray right over there. It's right there. Nice. Uh, Denny, do you have a pick for the Coming of Age I episode? Do. I'm going to go with Fast Times at Ridgemont High. All right. Another Cage movie. I like it. He's in that it's one, It's his right? first movie. It's his first movie ever. There we go. I have not actually seen this one. It's so. a Coming <laughs> of Cage movie, actually. He uh, certainly came in it. He, he does he it again. Descended from the heavens. Um, <laughs> so we got Fast Times at Ridgemont High. We've got mid-90s. And the audience will suggest movies. We'll put them on a poll. We'll all vote for them together and have our third pick ready We're for you tell them next we Friday. already did all the good John Hughes ones, so stop suggesting yeah. them. <laughs> I do like it when we put up a suggestion and people suggest movies we've already done. Like, no, no. Fucking we casuals. Know. Casuals. I was going to say, like, it just validates that we're good at picking movies. Hey! That's we're good positive. at stuff. I like it. We're, we're good at stuff. We're good at stuff. Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll find us on social media. Find Movies for Win on Facebook. Follow on Twitter and Instagram. At Movies for Win. And guess what, man? While you're on the internet, go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. There's a rating system there. Zero to five stars. Just go ahead and put five while five. you're there. Why not put five? Who's it going to hurt if you put five stars on our podcast, you know? We're kind of like the Casablanca of podcast, if you ask me. Just do it. <laughs> um, I would not call us the Casablanca of podcasts. <laughs> Maybe the burnt of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh and, but uh, fair. <laughs> 
And on that note, Denny, we've enhanced our cinematic palette. I need you to enhance our catchphrase palette, buddy. But Greg Weck, the I don't stick my Greg out for no one, Johnson. I'm Denny, the play it again, Den Taylor. And this has been <laughs> Movies for When. We already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you? What's my cage again? Just like him!